0: How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Psalm 104, verse 24. Welcome to Canaan Bound Podcast, a podcast designed to offer the Christian rest during life's journey. This podcast is a compilation of devotional resources shared by those who support the ministry of the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, the Wells. My name is Tom Barthel, glad to be serving as your host for this episode. This is episode number 130.
1: We'll begin with God's Word for You, shared by Pastor Timothy Smith. God's Word for You, Job 40, verses 15 to 19. We'll start with verse 15. Look at behemoth, which I made along with you, and which feeds on grass like an ox. Now, this is the only time in English that the word behemoth occurs in the Bible. Later, I'll talk about 13 times the Hebrew word occurs, where it's translated differently. Some people think that this is a mythical beast and the Canaanites and other neighbors of Israel certainly had both Behemoth and Leviathan in their weirdest tales. But look carefully at verse 15. Behemoth is an animal about which God says, I made. This points to Behemoth as a real creature walking the earth, if not in our time, at least in Job's time. Remember, at least two of the animals in the other list have have become extinct in recent times. Could it be that uh uh that uh the elephant or the hippo as the bible um uh, fo- as the bible footnotes often suggest could that be what the behemoth is well they're big animals that feed on grass or plants at least and they are the biggest fiercest animals near arabia uh one commentator once proposed that behemoth is based on an egyptian word and i don't think i can pronounce it but it's something like pi'imu, which means river ox or hippo except that no such word actually exists in any ancient Egyptian text. That's an invented phrase. A few commentators say that, quote, most scholars think that this animal is a hippopotamus. The Egyptians often depicted the hippo and the crocodile together, but most of the commentaries and scholarly papers I have consulted about this admit that they don't know what it is. What we should say is most scholars don't know what this is. Let's read on. Verses 16 and 17. What strength it has in its loins. What power in the muscles of its belly. Its tail sways like a cedar. The sinews of its thighs are close-knit. Well, The behemoth was a powerful creature and fearsome. In the last line of verse 17, we're told to notice the sinews of its thighs. God's emphasis is on the creature's dangerous strength. And now we're told that the behemoth's tail sways like a cedar, which cannot possibly be a description of either a hippo or an elephant of any kind, whether it's an African elephant, the Asian elephant, the extinct Syrian elephant, the mastodon, the mammoth, or the snuffleupagus. What else are we told about this creature? Verses 18 and 19. Its bones are tubes of bronze. Its limbs are like rods of iron. It ranks first among the works of God, yet its maker can approach it with his sword. Wow, tubes of bronze, rods of iron. These words are fearsome. Could some other animal around in Job's time, but extinct in ours, be meant? There are, I suppose, people who think that perhaps a dinosaur, especially one of the big plant eaters like the brontosaurus, remember it does eat grass, could account for everything in God's description. But the description of the behemoth isn't finished. Let's notice that God... The behemoth's maker isn't afraid of him at all. Now, the picture of God striding confidently up to such a massive creature shows us that he is in control of everything in his creation. There is nothing beyond the strength of God's arm or the sweep of God's justice. Even our own sinfulness could be and was atoned for with God's own blood. We've been rescued by him. We have eternal life through him, and for today, We live in his mercy and show it in the way we do that living. In Christ, oh, you know what? I did promise, didn't I, to talk about the other times that behemoth occurs in Hebrew. Well, the, the word behemoth occurs in Hebrew 13 times in all that I've been able to count. The ot ending in behemoth, or behemoth, it's a plural form. Just like in Hebrew, uh, im is a masculine plural, like cherubim and seraphim. Well, behemoth means the plural of behem. It's really the the big creature. In all other cases uh, in the Bible, animals or beasts are meant by behemoth, often cattle or just uh, animals, critters in general. Here in Job 40, the context makes it clear that a single animal is being described, and here the name behemoth is a kind of superlative, meaning something like the biggest one or the mightiest creature or the creature with a capital C, the creature. Now, but you might be curious. We may as well list all the 13 places and their meanings. This is a time where it's best to satisfy curiosity so the message of the Bible can sink in with us. In Deuteronomy thirty two thirty four, Behemoth is just wild beasts. Earlier in Job, in Job twelve seven, Behemoth is just animals. Here in Job forty verse fifteen, Behemoth is Behemoth, it's some big creature. In Psalm eight eight, Behemoth is beasts. In Psalm forty thirteen, it's also the beasts. And also in Psalm forty nine twenty one, again the beasts. In Psalm fifty verse ten, Behemoth is cattle. And in Psalm seventy three twenty two, the NIV has something like brute beast. In Isaiah thirty verse six, Behemoth is animals, as with Jeremiah twelve four, and in Joel 1.20, it's also animals or wild animals, which is the same as Joel two twenty two, wild animals, and finally Habakkuk two seventeen, just animals. I hope that satisfies all of our curiosity. Let's continue though with uh, with what Behemoth is all about and we can st- continue to study God's word in Christ I'm Pastor Tim Smith and this is God's word for you Up next a song by Coine from their album Visit
0: The Lord's Prayer Considering the sparrows is shared by the science faculty at Manitowoc Lutheran High School. Nothing strikes me like the sound of birds chirping. I'm not sure why, but a small songbird has the ability to tug at my heart like nothing else. I sat in my room one day, reading, and I was compelled to stop by the sound of a songbird. Brief as it was, the chirp continued to ring in my mind long after it passed. I dreamt of old joys, times when I felt at peace. My thoughts continued with every echoing chirp to new hopes, times when I may be at peace again. Memories of spring and summer took me away from the cold, and if I was to look out the window, I knew I would be alarmed, for nothing but color could I have imagined. The deep snow and winter sun, normally a sinking reminder, became a necessary beauty. Without disruption, The colors of life would be too much for me. Without relief, the silent season would ever tear at my heart. It's the anticipation that I must embrace, a reality which is to be soon realized. Can I forget the pattern that I have known? One run of the seasons is enough for me to never forget. One chirp is all that I need to be taken back and away. Psalm 50.11 says, I know every bird in the mountains and everything that moves in the field is mine, and it seems God intended us to be able to delight in the sound of his birds. Pitch is simply our perception of the frequency or wavelength of a sound, which we describe as high to low. A large animal like a cow or an elephant or a lion generally makes large wavelengths and low pitches, whereas a smaller animal like a bat or cricket or mouse generally makes smaller wavelengths and high even imperceptible pitches. As it turns out, although they are much smaller and could have been made otherwise, a bird's range of hearing is similar to that of our own. And equally noteworthy is that the sounds and songs of birds actually cover the full range to the limits of human hearing, from the lowest hooting sounds of great gray owl or spruce grouse to the highest songs of blackbird and warbler or golden-crowned kinglets. We know and recognize these songs. Like a fragrance that draws our memories back to a place in time, a bird song tugs at our hearts and draws us back to God's beautiful creation. Matthew 6, 26-34 says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Our gracious God has given his bird creatures a voice that rouses our souls. He will surely grant you all that you need in his word, to proclaim the good news of his great love with others. Further on in Matthew, in chapter 10, 18-20, it says, On my account you be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your Father speaking through you. Once again, we join Pastor Luca Tegliano with To Tell the Story. This is based off of
2: the book of Job. Do you know what it is to be broken? Job had lost everything. His house, his wealth, his health, his his children. His wife told him... Curse God and die. Job was broken. And he poured out his grief. Doesn't man have hard service on earth? Aren't his days like those of a hired man? Like a slave longing for the evening shadows? Or a hired man waiting eagerly for his wages? So have I been allotted Months of futility. and nights of misery have been assigned to me. When I lie down I think, how long before I get up? The night drags on, and I toss till dawn. My body is clothed with worms and scabs, my skin is broken and festering. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle, and they come to an end without hope. Remember, O God, that my life is but a breath. My eyes will never see happiness again. Job was broken, and he didn't turn to himself. He didn't try to figure out some way to say, it'll get better. He admitted his pain, and he confessed his suffering, and he prayed that God would remember him. God had not forgotten Job. He knew the time was coming. Two thousand years later, he showed how he remembered Job. As Jesus had hard service on the earth, that his days were like the days of a hired man, and like a slave longing for the evening shadows, or a hired man waiting eagerly for his wages, it appeared as if all Jesus had done was futile and worthless. His body was broken on the cross, and he died. But this is how God remembered Job. Not by telling him to act as if everything was getting better, or just to cheer up. He didn't tell Job to think positive, or stop saying such sad things. God remembered Job by suffering for him and with him. So then, two thousand years before, Job could say, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand upon the earth, and after my skin has been destroyed. Yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. And yes, Job was right. Brothers and sisters, we live in a broken world and so often we are broken. God doesn't tell you to just cheer up. He suffers with you and for you. And in the end, you will see your Savior stand on the earth too. And this story is true.
0: We'll close today with a song by Chris Dreisbach. If God had not been on our side...
3: Maybe I just wouldn't care Maybe blinded by despair Faithless, loveless, where would I be If He hadn't rescued me God had not been on my side, if he'd not been on my side, would my little life be worth a pointless walk across the earth? All the beauty here below would speak of someone I don't know. Sweet heaven's door denied, if God had not been on my side. Always searching, never hold And no forgiveness for my soul Hopeless, helpless, that's what I'd be Then He sent His only Son for me If God had not been on my side, if He'd not been on my side Would my little life be worth A pointless walk across the earth All the beauty here below Would speak of someone I don't know Sweet heaven's door denied If God had not been on my side Bloods of sin and shame Ocean waves of guilt and blame Would have swept me away Followed up alive if he had not been on my side. Thanks to God for my escape. If he'd not been on my side, would my little life be worth a pointless walk across the earth? All the beauty here below would speak of someone I don't know sweet heaven's door tonight, if God had not been on my side, if God had not been on my side.
0: You have been listening to Canaan Bound Podcast, episode number 130. This episode was first shared in May of 2018. For more information, visit canaanboundpodcast.com. We encourage you to visit a Wells Ministry location nearest you. Visit wells.net. Thanks for joining us, and remember His promised rest.